Welcome to my talk. Two years ago, uh, no, six years ago, uh, I was at Republica for the first time talking about um, programming and we had a very catchy title. You call it programming, we call it rock and roll. And uh, me, uh, we, uh, this is Julia and me, the co-founder of CoGirls, a non-profit organization from Leipzig. And we offered workshops and talks about coding and programming and empowerment. And uh, this is why I am very invested in the topic of learning to code and education. And also I had to deal with a lot of tech companies and people trying to teach people to code and all that. And last year I came upon a really interesting article series in the New York Times. It was how Silicon Valley is disrupting the classroom. And I found this passage passage um, very interesting. In 2016, Oracle, which is a tech company, helped write a state bill in Idaho which read that it is essential to increase computer science instruction from kindergarten through career driven by needs of industry and developed in partnership with industry. So this is interesting because this is a tech company making the law now in America and the law passed, uh, the bill passed with a huge majority. So Oracle is now in Idaho developing programs for schools. And of course, because Oracle is programming with Java, which is a popular programming language, um, they have a huge interest in pushing Java as a programming language taught in schools. And uh, I was a bit confused. I was asking myself, is industry now dictating how we teach our kids? Is this okay? Uh, is this okay what I do? So I started researching the whole thing. And yeah, I want to talk about this now. So um, what most or what most initiatives started, we talk, uh, we can say the rise of coding um, with organizations like mine, like the Code Girls, and also tech companies sweeping in. And the reason for that was because our schools and our federal administration and the government kind of did not do enough. We didn't have a lot of digital education, we are falling behind, and there was a vacuum to be filled. So the tech companies and nonprofits, they stepped in. You know, some people did it out of passion, like I did. I had fun teaching people to code. I think it's important and it's empowering. And other people maybe did it to, for other reasons. And so we saw a rise of coding initiatives. And uh, these coding initiatives all talked, like I did, that it is very important to learn to code because of empowerment. If you learn to code, if you start programming, this gives you a certain kind of power because you can participate in the world we live in and you can uh, shape this world, this digital world. You have a voice, you can express yourself. And also, it's empowerment because they promise you a really good job. As a programmer, most of you heard probably, you earn like a lot of money and I mean, they will throw money basically at you. And uh, yeah, so this sounds very good, empowerment and all that. So um, what are the skills? Ah, no, sorry. Um, I found this quote, and it's Hadi Patovi, which is the founder of uh, one of the most successful nonprofit 
coding initiatives. It's called code.org. I think they are financed by Microsoft, by Google, by Facebook, by a lot of tech companies. He was an investor in Silicon Valley before he started code.org. And uh, this is a quote from a YouTube video called What Most Schools Don't Teach. And he said, whether you want to make a lot of money or you want to change the world, computer programming is an incredibly empowering skill to learn. I found it interesting that he only sees two different kind of possibilities. Either you're more of a neoliberal, capitalist, money-hungry type of people and you just want to make money, or you're an idealistic revolutionary and you want to change the world. Um, I think for me, and for most people, it's probably somewhere in between. I mean, of course, I want to pay my rent and I want to be secure, but it's also nice to make some change and to have some kind of power. So um, what are these magical skills? What are these empowering skills that our students need to learn, that tech companies want our students to learn? And um, because they talk a lot about skills. They are very specific in that. So I made some research and I looked at websites from tech companies and nonprofits because they mostly have their own programs. Google does, Apple, um, Oracle, SAP. I think every tech company by now has their own initiatives and they also sponsor nonprofits with money. So if you go to Apple on their website and they have a program called Jeder kann programmieren, everybody can code. Um, you see that they put programming right up there with reading, writing, and doing math as a you know, cultural technique, which is probably giving you a hint how important coding is for them or how they see it in the whole uh, cultural technique thing. And they said that programming is important for our students to be successful in a future driven by technology. And if teachers can teach programming, they at the same time can teach their students critical thinking, and the solving of problems. And that's why Apple developed this program. And this sounds good. I mean, I want students to be able to solve problems. I want people to be able to solve problems. And I think critical thinking is a very good skill to have. Um, another example, Microsoft also has an own initiative, which is called Code Your Life. Um, and they are also very much afraid of falling behind. So it's also programming for the future. And also for them, it's not about just writing an algorithm, but um, that young people have the ability to think abstract, that they are creative, and that they have the ability to solve problems. And uh, this is just two examples. I found a lot more because I watched a lot of videos and I read a lot of articles. And uh, basically, these are the four most sought-after skills. Teamwork which is, of course, important because nowadays, I think, in every job, not just programming, you have to work in teams, you have to collaborate, and you have to talk about, you have to be able to communicate, and um, also problem solving. So um, you basically, this is, comes to this kind of thinking, algorithmic thinking, that um, like a recipe, you have a very certain way of instructions, how you do something, and you have to be able to think this way which instructions you need to fix a problem and to solve this problem. And also creativity, because as most of you know, um, thinking outside the box and thinking unconventionally is sometimes a good way of finding a new idea, maybe the idea which will change the world. And also creativity is nice because we can express ourselves. 
And the most basic skill, of course, is learning a programming language. Uh, most of them, or most of the programs, most of the coding initiatives and nonprofits promote more web development friendly languages. So we see a lot of Ruby on Rails, we see Python, and uh, not as much C. So uh, it's kind of going more this way, but I think it's because it's easier to learn for children, it's kind of easier to teach. And uh, yeah. So. Um, Tech companies, basically, to summarize, are fearing that we are falling behind, and they are very kindly stepping up to support the government, to support our schools, to support our society by offering coding classes and free workshops and trainings and teacher certifications and giving out free software and hardware. So this is good, right? I mean, they are giving something back, we are doing some charity, and people profit from that, people can have a better future. So um, I started digging a little bit more, because I always was kind of uh, asking myself why we really do it, is this just out of the good of the hearts? And a lot of articles I read, and a lot of the videos I watched, a thought popped into my head, which was recruiting. And not just recruiting in the way we know of, but also um, in the way of recruiting potential customers. Uh, I found a quote by one Microsoft, Microsoft executive, and he said, if you can get someone on your operating system early, then you can get that loyalty early and potentially for life. And that's true. I mean, there are a lot of studies which show that toy companies and a lot of brands target young children, especially young children, because they know that they are sensible for that. And if you get them at customers, they will start nagging their parents to buy them their products, and maybe they will continue to buy the products throughout their lives. So if I start at school programming, and maybe we use iPads, and we use kind of an Apple-sponsored workshop, and I like the user experience, I like how it feels, I like maybe programming with Swift, which is a programming language developed by Apple, then, um, you know, after I finish school and I go out and earn my same money, maybe I'm not... not I'm not going to become a programmer, but you know, if the time comes and I buy a new technology, maybe a smartphone, I go probably for Apple because I always liked it. I had to do, I had a lot of dealings with Apple. I programmed with Apple in school, so that's a good, good decision for me. And also, it's not just the customers thing. It's also, uh, of course, the very much real recruiting. If you watch this video from Code.org, what most schools don't teach, um, the first half is a lot of tech celebrities like Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, and for some reason, Will I Am from the Black Eyed Peas, and they all talk about that coding is really awesome and that it's a lot of fun and it's very empowering and you should definitely learn it, which is true. But then this kind of starts to switch and it begins to look a lot like a recruiting video. So they have this, uh, these are all screenshots from the video, and they have this picture of a sun-kissed rooftop terrace where you work with your feet up. And I never worked like this. My office doesn't look like this, but I would definitely want to work like this. And they tell you, you know, laundry, boring tasks like this. The company will take care of you for that. And also they show you pictures like this, you know, 24-7 snacks. Um, they don't really say which company this is, so I think they just want to suggest that this is working in Silicon Valley. 
And you know, where you hear employees which are very young and they say it's awesome, I like working here. And then they show you, you know, if you're really busy and you need to, say, uh, need to take some time off, then just go to the gaming room, you know, play some video games. And if I am, I know, a student and I'm thinking about my future and they show me this video, maybe I don't know much about being a programmer, I would think this is pretty much the best job I could have. I mean, I can play video games at work, I get really cool snacks, I don't have to do my laundry, and I can work on a roof top terrace with my new MacBook. It sounds very cool and I would definitely want to be a programmer. So let's talk about how working as a programmer is. Is it really this utopia of uh, snacks and video games? Um, I, know, I know a lot of people who work as programmers and I also dealt with a lot of companies. So of course, if you are a programmer, you have a good job. And I think everybody knows that programmers right now are highly sought after. So if you are a programmer, you have pretty good chances of landing a good job. And uh, I think a lot of people also think that programming is something which you will earn a lot of money, which will make you a financially secure future, which is also nice because the labor market is kind of uncertain. So most people would prefer to have a high-paid job. Uh, only thing is, this may be not true in total. I found a study from, uh, I think it was North Carolina University, that uh, only half of college students who majored in science, technology, engineering, or math-related subjects get jobs in their field after graduation. To be fair, for computer science it was 30%, but still the authors of the study stated that uh, there was a very robust supply of domestic workers and they couldn't see a gap skill. Because tech companies, they are telling you a lot about that they have a scab skill, that there are not enough people out there with the skills they need, so that's why it's really important to go into schools and to start teaching kids these skills. And then uh, you have a study and it suggests something different. This could be also because not every programmer studies computer science. A lot of people I know who work as programmers just did a DIY, they just picked it up and started working as programmers. So this is something a study wouldn't consider. But also another study I found, and this was concerning wages of programmers, said that on average the real wages of programmers are stagnating since the 90s. So a programmer today pretty much earns the same money as he did in 1993. This was a study undertaken in the United States. I didn't find a similar one for Germany, but uh, I still find it interesting because I thought especially in the United States wages would have gone up. And I also think this may be some kind of hierarchy. So I think right now if you're some kind of artificial intelligence wizard and you're really good with math and really complicated algorithms, you're probably somebody companies will really want you on your team because it's really hard to find people like that. But a normal web developer who is like basically knows a little bit JavaScript, a little bit HTML and CSS, a lot of people do that right now. I can do that and I'm not even working as a programmer, so maybe there's kind of a difference how people are paid. And uh, this really raises the question, who's profiting from that? Because if we don't get a job, because there are not as many jobs as is suggested, and if the jobs are maybe not that well paid, um, who's really profiting from that? Because the whole drive behind, the driving force behind 
with campaigns and the programs is that it's for the kids, it's for the students, so that they are able to compete in a technology-driven future. And the Stanford professor Larry Cuban did a really long uh, time research, a study about that, and he found out that tech comp he wanted to know if um, the skills that students learn in school, if they translate into high-paid jobs after they finished school and entered the workforce. And he found out that, uh, no, it did not. Some of them found jobs, but not a lot of them, who were programmers. And they all kind of profited from knowing how to turn a computer on and off and maybe doing some simple skills with computers. But he said that the primary beneficiaries were not the students or the workers, but tech companies that promoted the programs because they sold all the tech to schools. They made $4 billion in the 90s when... Um, all the schools in the U.S. didn't even have a lot of computers, and it was more about getting them computers. And, of course, they had to be bought from somewhere. Or, like Chief jo Steve Jobs did, you could create an initiative and try to get companies to donate their old computers to schools in return for tax breaks, which is also something your company would profit from. So this really raises a question about, is it really about idealism, or is it more about money? Because it seems that money really is the driving force behind uh, all that. And I won't say that it's just about money. I still think a lot of people working and doing these initiatives and trying to teach to code do this because we really believe it's a cool skill to have and that they also have passion and they just like to teach. But also if you think about that... Um, the German Digital Pact, which is, I think, finally coming this year, promises 5 billion euros to schools for digital infrastructure. And um, this means that there will be some money, there will be a market. And uh, if a school, for example, is already working with a tech company or with a non-profit financed by a tech company and they like the user experience, the teachers have good experience with the workshops, they like the certificates, and uh, the students are happy, maybe then this could be seen as a kind of get a foot in the door for tech companies. They don't have to knock on ministries, they don't have to go all the official way of uh, federal administration, but you know, if they get the teachers as kind of influencers, um, maybe they can have some people speaking for them if the time comes to spend money. And... Uh, I mean, this is a good way. This is kind of what lobbyists do. They uh, get a lobby and then they can profit from that. So I think the real question is maybe not if it is good or bad, because I don't think it's bad or good. I think it's right now very necessary because it's the only way, because uh, the government and schools don't really have the resources and the infrastructures to do something. And I also think that it is really important for kids to learn to code and that it's a nice skill to have. But um, I think we should really think about what place we want schools to be. If we want uh, schools to be places where we can teach and get skilled workers, or if schools are a place for um, forming the minds of informed citizens which are able of critical thinking. And uh, I would prefer the latter option because I think if uh, 
people are able to think for themselves and question things, they can make their own decisions. And uh, for me, that's better. And also more of empowering. So I would wish that, uh, you know, politics and federal states and stuff, that they kind of step up the game and try to get a digital curriculum. I know it's hard and I know it's a really long way and it's not as easy as it sounds right now, but that they can form some kind of independent curriculum and, uh, you know, are not just dependent on tech companies because at some point if tech companies decide that now they will charge money for all the workshops and teacher trainings which are f for free right now, this could raise a problem, especially if schools don't have the money. And uh, I think it's better when we try to have this included in uh, the study of teacher and teacher training that they get in touch with this kind of digital technologies really early and learn how to use it in their education. And I know that's a long shot, so for this time being, I'm really grateful that we have uh, coding initiatives and we have some kind of digital education, but for the future, I would really hope that um, you know, schools and the government are more doing their job. So, um, yeah, that's my kind of ending. I hope I still am time. If you want to continue, I have some feedback, or you uh, disagree with me very much because you have another uh, meaning, then you can reach me on Twitter, or you can write me an email, and you can also check out what I do for a living on this website. And yeah, I think I will be going down to the speaker's yeah. corner now, so you can find me also where to uh, discuss and, I don't know, exchange ideas and something. So uh, thank you for being here, and have a nice day. Thank you so much. Yeah.